been a while since I heard that, but oh, what a Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every born-again saint of God should be shouting hallelujah, hallelujah. As we've come through Christmas, and now Christmas is behind us, but uh, I think I mentioned last week, there was, I'm glad it didn't end just with the birth, did it? The Bible declares a man by the name of Simeon. A lot of people think the Holy Ghost wasn't around before the day of Pentecost, but the Holy Ghost has been around since the dawn of time. And before before time, the Holy Ghost was. And uh, the Bible declares that a man by the name of Simeon, led by the Spirit, came into the temple, and that God had revealed unto him he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so by the Spirit of God, Simeon made his way into the temple, picked up the babe in his arms and said, Now let thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Then there was a widow named Anna of about fourscore years old, the Bible says, and, and, and uh, she was a widow a long, long time. But she came by the Spirit And likewise, Luke tells us, testified that all who looked for redemption and consolation in Israel, that it was wrapped up in this little babe. And then it says in the next verse, the child began to grow and wax strong and the Spirit of God was upon him. So Christmas and the birth we celebrated is past, but that child grew. And uh, would eventually go to the cross and we just sing about what a Savior uh, that He is indeed. He's, he's been the Savior since the beginning. And uh, my friend, if I'm glad He's my Savior. Um, since I've found Him, I've not dared look anywhere else for another. He's met every qualification that a Savior has to meet to save a sinner. And, and I know that because He saved me. Something on your heart, a word of praise, testimony, song, anything else. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. I've got a, I'm developing a headache and so I don't know how long we'll go. Maybe five minutes or fifty. I never know. And when the Lord's done with us, we'll sit down. But... I'm going to ask you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Uh, we were talking in Sunday school about Solomon and about the wisdom of Solomon. Um, the Lord, the Bible says, appeared unto Solomon in a dream and told him and asked him, Solomon, what will you require of me? Ask anything that you will and I'll give it to you. God is not one to lie. So I believe that anything Solomon had asked for, God would have granted that. If he had asked for wealth, God would have given him wealth. If he had asked for length of days, God would have granted him length of days. But Solomon, you can read in his Proverbs, said that from a young age, My father, which was David, taught me about the ways of the Lord. And so Solomon, when he took the throne, 
and was given a choice of anything in this world. Now, um, if I could ask each of us that choice, and especially those that are lost, those that are out in the world, uh, they would no doubt ask for selfish things. But Solomon asked for wisdom. And then he asked for an understanding heart. He said, Lord, I am but just a little child. And I know not how to go out or how to come in. And I don't know how to lead this great people that you blessed me with except you'd help me. And so Solomon was granted that request. God gave him wisdom and knowledge and an understanding heart. And because he didn't ask selfish things, he also granted unto Solomon length of days, length of his kingdom, and wealth. And I certainly believe, as we discussed in Sunday school, he was the richest, we think of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, I believe they were poor compared to King Solomon. We think of we think of the, the brightest minds that the world has ever known. We think of Einstein and, and all these other brilliant men and scientists. That I believe Solomon's wisdom exceeded all of them. And I believe he was the wisest, richest man that ever lived. And, uh, and I believe Israel enjoyed a great time of prosperity under David and Solomon. The Bible declares when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And when the wicked rule, the people mourn. And we've seen that. I've seen that in my lifetime, even in our nation. We've had, we've had good, honest, decent, moral men, righteous men, and we've had corrupt men. And the nation fares better when a righteous man is in charge, even back to our founding uh, with General Washington. I believe him to be a righteous man. He talked in a lot of his writings about uh, the hand of providence and the hand of God. And, and I, don't know, I don't know why I got into all that, but just giving you time to turn there. Ecclesiastes, I said chapter 9. Uh, let's go to... to uh, yeah, yeah, chapter 9, and I'll refer back to 8 a little bit. But uh, Chapter number 9 in Ecclesiastes. And Solomon wrote this book. Solomon set out to, to understand, and, and um, there were times that his riches and, and maybe even his wisdom got him into trouble. Um, there's nothing wrong with wisdom but you must have understanding to go with wisdom, or wisdom is useless. Uh, same way with education. I have nothing against higher education. But I heard the statement one time that education without salvation is damnation. And I believe that to be the truth today. Apply your heart to know wisdom, but also ask for understanding. So Solomon had set his heart and his mind to figure out what is, what is the purpose of life. And, uh, and he sought that out. And he had, the, the, he had the riches. He tried everything under the sun. And, and you know what? He concluded most everything that we do, vanity. And I would say he's 100% right. There's most everything that we do in this life is vanity. 
And he concluded that when a man is laid to rest, all the wealth that he accumulated, all the things that he got are going to be left to somebody else who may not apply wisdom and will waste all of that. And so he tells us in the last verse of Ecclesiastes, I believe it is, if not it's pretty close to the last verse, he says, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's pretty sound advice. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep His commandments. Everything else that we might do that's apart from that is vanity. And then he concluded that it's good to enjoy life, the fruit of your labors that God has blessed you with, to enjoy them, to enjoy the days that you spend with your wife or your husband, and to enjoy the fruits of your labors under the sun. And so that is, that's, uh, that's what we try to do, and, and uh, God has blessed us, and we try to enjoy the fruits of our labors. But chapter number 9, he says, For all of this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love, their love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth, as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. I want you to understand that. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Now, Solomon here is not speaking of life after death. He's simply speaking that once you're dead, you know nothing of, of the things of the earth. He's not speaking of the things that you will know after you've gone to eternity. He's just speaking of the life that you live on earth. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with thy wife, 
whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. <clears throat> I begin to study this a little this week, and, and if you go back to the 8th chapter, in the 8th verse it says, there is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war. I thought about as we come to the close of another year, this will be the last time we will meet in this house in 2021. Uh, and the year just swiftly goes by. Uh, I used to hear mom and dad say that when I was a kid and they seemed to take forever to go by, uh, they said, son, you just wait till you get a little older and they'll begin to go by a little quicker. And, uh, and the reason why they said that is because they had lived long enough to understand that to be absolutely true. And so even though the... the the, the same number of days are in the years it was when I was a child. It does seem that the older you get, the more swiftly they go by. And so we, we thought about this, and, and, uh, and who knows how many of us, I hope, are all able to meet together uh, next Sunday starting the new year. And, and uh, let me just stop there and say I wish that... that, that you that have not yet found time or made a way, uh, and I know COVID's still an issue, and I understand all of that, but, uh, but, but our Sunday school, uh, I, I would like to see that grow. I would like to be able to have full classes. I would like to be able to have classes so full we couldn't fit in these rooms that we'd have to assemble here uh, or in the uh, fellowship hall. And, and I know there are a number of you that come in uh, pretty early before service starts. And I would encourage you uh, just to find one of these doors, it doesn't matter which, and, and come into Sunday school and begin to open up and study the Word of God. If you're making a New Year's resolution, why don't we put... Uh, that somewhere uh, near the top of the list, and and uh, to try to make it to Sunday school, and and uh, but I hope all of us are able to come back and uh, in the new year, and I hope none of us have any tragedies that befall us. But the simple fact is, we don't know. 
that this could be the last time, this could be the last message that I ever preach or that you ever hear preached. And, and so the Bible said, and I just read in the 8th chapter, that, uh, that, that no man has power over his spirit to retain his spirit in the day of death. In other words, when, uh, when the time of your death is drawing nigh, uh, that you'll have no power to be able to retain or hold on to life when that day comes. And the Bible says there is no discharge in that war. In other words, it's a battle that is raging and has been uh, since Adam sinned and took of the forbidden fruit. That's when death had passed upon all men. For all have sinned. But I thought about this as it relates uh, to us today. And he's talking about all the things that I considered. Uh, and uh, he said, I want to declare this to you, that, uh, that the righteous and the wise and their works, they're all in the hand of God. And the foreknowledge, uh, determinate counsel of God, they're all in His hand. Uh, but he goes on to say that there is uh, all things come alike. But he said there is one event that happens to all, uh, both to the wise and the unwise, uh, both to the rich and to the poor, uh, both to the learned and the unlearned, uh, both to him that sacrifices and him that sacrifices not, uh, both to those who come to church and those who refrain from coming to church, uh, coming to church uh, those who have been saved and those who are still lost. Uh, one event will surely happen to all, and that is you will die. I don't mean to be morbid about that. I don't mean to try to scare you about that. Uh, but that one event will happen to every living creature under the sound of my voice, to every living creature uh, that is moving upon the earth today. One event will happen to all. We are going to leave this earth. Uh, we are going to one day uh, draw our last breath. Uh, we are going to one day uh, give up that war that there's no discharge in and we won't have power to retain our spirit. And if you've never given thought to the day of death, I know it's not pleasant to think about. Uh, I know it's... Uh, Scary even for a, uh, for a child of God to think about how death will come. For some it will come in the form of cancer. Uh, there are some of you here today, it might be me, who will give way to that awful disease. Uh, there are some that will die uh, just in an old age. Uh, God forbid there are some uh, that will die in the days of their youth. And I said, God forbid that. I don't want that to happen. Uh, but the Bible declares that no matter how or when it comes, uh, that, that one event will happen to all. It says, for all to Him that is joined to the living, there is hope. And I want you to understand that. He says that, uh, uh, that uh, therefore, uh, for, uh, to Him that is joined to the living, there is hope. For the living know that they shall die. If you've got any sense about you this morning, uh, you understand that you will die. Uh, but if you are living today, which you are, uh, there is hope. 
uh, that you don't have to die lost and without God, uh, that there is hope uh, because the song we sang well ago about a Savior uh, that went to a cross at Calvary in order to die for the sins of the world. I thought that if every preacher today uh, would just preach the cross and Him crucified. I know people get tired. We've grown jaded in such a way that the cross has almost become of none effect even unto God's elect. Uh, we don't understand the depth uh, of the depravity of man. Uh, we don't understand the depths of the evilness of man. As we walked into Sunday school a little bit late this morning, they were talking about a shooting that took place in a small town about the size of Lafayette, not too far from here. And though we were late, so I don't have the details, it's a horrible thing. And the statement was made that, my friend, it's going to wax Worse and worse as time goes on. Why is that, preacher? It's because the depravity of man is getting to such a point, as I stated earlier, that there is no discernment between good and evil. It is because that we have forgotten, even God's people have forgotten, that we will die. That we just have a finite amount of time to accomplish the things in this life that we deem important enough to set our hand to and some will die without their work being completed. The patriarchs of old died, but they died in faith. The Bible says not having received the promise but having been persuaded of them and seeing them afar off. And my friends, you and I today, I thought about as they were talking about the shooting, did you ever think what would, what would this world be like if the church just ceased to exist? If every saint of God just disappeared all at one time? I mean, you take the salt of the earth out and wherewith shall it be salted? Uh, my friends, today, uh, the only thing I believe that is holding back uh, the full wrath of God uh, to be poured out upon the inhabitants of this world is there are still a remnant of faithful few uh, that are in His house on Sunday mornings uh, that live a life that's pleasing to Him uh, through the week, uh, that lift up their hands and praise the Lord of glory and desire Him to walk in their house and walk in their church. Uh, but it's said here that the living know that they shall die. And so if you are alive today, which you are, and you have any sense about you, you know that you will die. 
and you know because of the preaching that you've sat under, uh, under pastors that have been here uh, long before I showed up, uh, that the Spirit, it talks about in Ecclesiastes, uh, that the Spirit uh, will return to God who gave it. It says that after that, uh, they go unto the dead. And their love and their hatred and their envy and all of that will die with them. In other words, all the love that you have uh, when you're buried, uh, you will not come back to this earth and try to love again. In other words, all the years that you've spent and the days you've spent in envy and in hatred, uh, when you go down into the grave, uh, there will simply be no remembrance of that. Uh, you cannot come back uh, to do things that are undone. And that's why the warning is given. Uh, whatsoever that you set your hand to do, uh, to do it with all of thy might. And I would say we ought to take that up. Uh, those of us who have been saved, I mean, if we want to see a revival, uh, if we want to see the power of God, if we want to see the fire of God fall, uh, one more time on Lafayette uh, Missionary Baptist Church, if you want your household and your home to be saved, uh, mothers, when you leave this earth, uh, you can never come back uh, to pray for your children ever again. All the praying and begging and desiring of God, all the pleading with God uh, to save your little son or your little daughter, all of the pleading and begging and crying out to God must be done on this side of the grave. Sunday school teachers, uh, you that are shaping young minds, uh, set your heart uh, to do it uh, with all your mind. Uh, there'll come a time uh, that generation is grown and another generation will come along. And that generation uh, that you talk, uh, they will remember. Uh, they'll remember if you had zeal. Uh, preachers here today, uh, Michelle and I were counting the other day and we might have missed some, uh, but I believe we counted 12 or 13 preachers in this congregation. I'm glad that God is calling you to preach. I would say uh, that all of your preaching will have to be done on this side of eternity. That you better set your heart right and you better set your mind right. And I'll talk to myself. If I have no zeal and no heart, now do you know what's wrong with our churches today? Uh, people come in and sit down and they say uh, well, they don't do a thing. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited about that, uh, but I mean you come in and most churches in America today, people feel the seeds. I'm talking about I can remember the time uh, when there was a fever and a zeal uh, to say hallelujah to God that saved me. And we've lost that today. We've got too sophisticated. We've got too learned. Uh, we've got too high-headed and high-minded uh, to go back into those old practices. I'll say it's still the best way. Now, they're the old paths. 
If I had no zeal in my preaching, I wouldn't expect you to get a thing out of anything I ever say. Whatsoever you set your hand to do, do it with all your might. You say, preacher, what can I do? That's a good question. What can you do? Every last born again believer, every saint of God, will set your hand to do what God calls you to do. A preacher, I'm not a preacher. I can't sing. There is still a work for you to do. It begins in your own home. It begins outside of these walls. It begins in secret devotion to God. It begins in religiously educating your children. It begins in bringing them to Sunday school into the house of God to sit under the preaching of the Gospel call. Once you fulfill that, I promise you God will give you things to do. Whether it be testifying at Walmart, whether it be just in your own circle, of friends, whether it be once in a while to stand up and there are those here I am persuaded I know for a fact because some of you have told me with your own mouth you've been born again you've told me that in private and you've never made a public profession I'm not trying to be mean spirited but I want you to understand your confession must be done on this side of eternity because you're going to die. And all that that you've been hanging on to is going to go down into the grave. All your envy, all your hatred, people hang on to grudges. Let me tell you something. When you die, that grudge is going to go down to the grave with you. Uh, Your love, all that you, I love my wife, and I love her fervently. God's gave me a good help meet. I put her through more this year than probably any woman. She's the strongest person that I've ever met. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not falsifying that statement. But I'm saying to you that in eternity we neither marry nor are given in marriage. So every husband's duty that I have to her. And every wife's duty that she has to me, when we die, that will die with us. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, reverence your husband. Because one day, they are going to be taken from you. And when they go down into the grave, all the love is going to go to the grave with them. You're still going to love them, but as far as far as them, they're still going to love you in eternity. But as far as the love that you know on this earth, it'll never return to you again. I mean to say, we are wasting our life with vanity. It's all concluded under vanity. And so He charges us to do it with all your might. Preachers preach. Singers sing. Sunday school teachers, if you don't have anything else that you think God is calling you to do, I know for a fact some of our Sunday school teachers 
could use a helping hand. Vacation Bible School could use a helping hand. There is plenty of work to be done inside these walls. And there is even more to be done outside these walls. Amen. Amen. When you go to work and you live your life, how do people see? And I know it's our nature. We get angry and frustrated and we can't help that a lot of times. Uh, but my friends, ask God to give you grace uh, that you will in no way, in no way bring, uh, bring uh, the wrath of God or the displeasure of God or the mocking of God down upon your head. I mean the life that you live before your fellow man it ought to be a life of the week off from Sunday school about the Queen of Sheba and how she came to visit Solomon. And she didn't just pay attention to Solomon. Uh, there are those today that might not be paying attention to God, but you know what they are paying attention to? They are paying attention uh, to those who claim to be the servants of the living God. And when Sheba saw not just Solomon... But when she saw the servants, the cupbearers, the, the, the men servants, the maid servants, she said, I watched how they sat down, how they rose up, I watched their ascent, how they went into the house of God, and she saw the, I'm telling you, people are watching the saints of God. And every work that you do is going to go down into the grave. And God's going to give you rewards according to that. If you're here today and you're lost without God, I just read that a living dog is better than a dead lion, uh, that as long as you are alive, that there is hope for the living. I want you to understand, sinner friend, there is hope for you to be saved. But your repenting will have to happen on this side of the grave. And since you know not when that day comes, you better get busy with it now. Amen. Now, well preacher, we got spring revival. That's a lot. A lot can happen in three or four months. You might not be here in three or four months. None of us may be here in three or four months. God forbid another tornado outbreak would come. This house would fall. It's just a house after all. It's not the church. The church is the group of baptized believers. And if you are a believer and have been saved but never been baptized, your baptism will have to happen on this side of the grave. And I'm persuaded... That there may be, and I'm not trying to put words in their mouth, but I'm persuaded that there may be a handful of people who have been saved, and yet Satan has deceived them in such a way to tell them that's not it, that's not salvation. I mean, my friend today, if he's ever, if he's ever given you a new heart, a desire to serve him and walk with him, if there's a time and a place that you can go back to, you will have to take that on this side of the grave, for when you die, that's going down with you. It is. So whatsoever you find your hand to sit to, it says, Man also knoweth not his time, 
as fishes are taken in an evil snare or net and the birds that are caught in the snare. My friend, I can find, and we're running out of time, so I'm going to cut this short. But I can find you a Scripture that as it was in the days of Noah's soul, shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man that people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. I mean to tell you there's a time of wrath coming on planet earth and people are so unaware of that and they will stay unaware of that until the wrath falls and the fire falls and takes them all to the grave. That's right. That's right. Man will... We, even God's people, we think we're going to live forever. We say, no preacher, I know. I just read every living man knows that we shall die. So let me ask you this. What are you waiting on? Huh? I'll, I'll say, I won't say you, I'll say what are we? What are we waiting on? There's no reason a church with this many preachers and this many members, there's no reason at all if two or three gathered together in His name can, can bring Him down in the midst, there's no reason this church where we're located in the middle of the city limits uh, with the numbers and the crowds that we draw and the number of preachers that we have, there is absolutely no excuse for us not to be a powerhouse when it comes to the Spirit of God. There is none, no excuse, except the lack of our part of not putting our whole heart into what it is that we're doing. So if we're putting, and I'm going to charge us as we go into this year, and it starts next Sunday at Sunday school, I mean, if we begin to put our, not just, we're half-hearted. That's our problem. We're half-hearted. A church has just become a place to go to. A church is not a place. Church is the people. But we, we think, well, we'll just go to church. We'll hear a sermon. We'll go home. We'll have lunch after church on Sunday. We'll go home, sit on our leaves, and kick our feet up. And then next Sunday we'll do it again. I mean, that's a half-hearted approach to serving God. But as I said before, with this crowd of people, and I don't have any doubt, but there are those, I've, I've been here three years in February, and there are those I've never heard say even say, I believe that you have, but I've never heard it out of your mouth. You've never stood up and told it, not one time. You, you mean to tell me in three years, God has never once pressed upon you to stand and thank you for saving your soul. If you can honestly answer that, no, He's not, preacher, I'd say you're half-hearted in your worship. You might say, preacher, that's strong language. I know it's not everybody's job to stand up 
and, and certainly not every Sunday saying the same thing. I don't believe God's in that either. But I'll say this, every once in a while, if you don't get stirred up enough to thank the One who bled and died and rose from the grave that you can live forever, then there's something wrong in your life. We ought to be a powerhouse. We ought to have revivals uh, that, would, uh, that, sh- that would be talked about all over Macon and Trousdale and Clay County. Uh, that the number of people we've got and the number of lost that we've got, there is no reason for them to remain lost. And I know we can't make them be saved. And I can't make them repent. But unto God I preached unto you that are lost the glories of heaven, how that a man shall live forever. I preached unto you the damnation of hell, how that a man will die forever and go into a pit that has no bottom, into a fire that is never quenched, being fed on by a worm that never dies. And heaven won't persuade you to repent. And hell won't persuade you to repent. So what else is there to preach? There comes a point where you're just going to have to repent or perish. You're going to have to repent or perish. And there comes a point in the work of the church that we need to get the conditions right. I'm saying to you today, I know that we can't save them, but I do believe because I've seen it with my eyes that a church can get the conditions right for the gospel to fall on the ears of those who will repent. And there's no reason with our crowd and this number of people we can't get that condition right. If we set our mind whatever it is And that goes for your secular work. If you're a janitor, there's no shame. When I was in school, I had a part-time job cleaning a factory. I'd go in after school and clean up all the trash and all the mess. I'd clean the bathrooms. There's never been a job for me. I've cleaned sludge out of dock doors, out of dock bays, or semis backing. I've never once had a job. I've pushed carts at Walmart. There's never been a job that I ever felt was was beneath me to do. Whatever I've set my heart to do, I gave it my best. Because that's how I was raised. So if you're a janitor, you sweep the floor with all your heart. If you're a professor, you teach with all your heart. And anything in between. And certainly when it comes to the house of God, do it with all your heart. With all your heart. God's not... He grew weary. Why? And I'm done. You know why God grew weary? I'm going to have to stop saying I'm done. Michelle says you say that and you ain't never done. But do you know why that God grew weary of their sacrifices? Because after a while it just became a thing that they did. And their heart was no longer in it. And he said, I'm sick of them. I don't want them anymore. Because their heart's not in it. I'll say to those, there are, there are probably millions of people in church today across the globe that they're there. Some may be here, but if you're honest about it, 
your heart's really not in the service. Am I, am I lying? Am I telling you the truth? I know because I've been there. I've been there and my heart's not been in the service. I've probably tried to preach a few times and my heart's really not been in the service. God help us. There are souls in danger. Souls at stake. It's awful to think of one of our own dying lost without God, isn't it? God's people, where there's no vision, the people perish. God help us to get a vision. And I mean starting in this new year, throw your whole heart into worshiping the Lord. And let's see. We'll do our part. Throw our whole hearts in. Don't just come in and sit down, but be prayed up when you get here. Read Scripture through the week. Ask God to help you to understand it through the week. Ask God to put a song in your mouth, a testimony in your heart, something that you can do to bring honor and glory to God. Throw your whole heart into it. And I promise you, He will bring the results. If, if we're willing and obedient to do just that. Come ahead with a song. That's all I got for you. I didn't really know how I was going to preach, whether it be to the saved or lost, maybe it touched on both. But the living know that they shall die. My friend, all the things, all the things, all the work that you do for God, when you die, you don't get to come back and say, I wished I'd have done one more thing. I wished I'd have just testified. I wished I'd have been baptized. I wished I'd have joined the church. I wished I'd have made my testimony known. I wished I'd have got right with God. But guess what? All of that goes to the grave with you. Every bit of it. You have now. The past is already past and you can't change it. The future is the future and you don't know if you'll be part of it. So we've got today. We've got right now to serve Him. Let's do it fervently with all our heart. God bless you. Go ahead.